This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Now, during July, Mary Kay Cat and Scott Patsko and I are bringing you the podcast version of our 20 questions about the Browns. Every weekday, we'll have a post from one of us on cleveland.com slash Browns, where we answer a question about the team as we head into training camp. We'll also have accompanying podcasts each day where the three of us discuss the topic. We cover everything from Baker Mayfield's accuracy to who will start at right guard. So if you've missed any of them or if you want to get caught up, make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and they're all right there in the feed. Now, today is a little different. It's it's just Scott and me, and so you're going to hear us talk about the question for a little bit, and then after we take our break, we bring in one of our Football Insider subscribers to talk a little bit about the topic, uh, to ask us any Browns questions they have, tell us a little bit about how they became Browns fans, why they're Browns fans, and, well, of course, why they like Football Insider and why they subscribe. Now, I'm going to tell you about Football Insider a little later in the pod, uh, but what I will tell you right now is it's $3.99 per month, and you get a 14-day free trial. So if you want to check it out and see if it's right for you, you can do that, and you can cancel it with one text. But uh, a lot of our subscribers don't like to cancel. They really seem to enjoy uh, what we have to offer. And you can also start it with just a text. All you have to do is pick up your phone, text 216-208-3965, and you can get that 14-day free trial started. So again, if you want to check it out, see if it's right for you, uh, pick up your phone, text 216-208-3965. Now let's get to our question for today. And today's question, we are talking offensive line. Who will start at right guard? Scott, it's the one question that remains on this offensive line. Jack Conklin's on board. Jedrick Wills is on board. We already know what Joel Batonio and J.C. Treader can do. It is right guard. We don't know how that's going to play out. So but let's run through some of the candidates that, that could be in the running. I guess the first name we have to throw out there is Wyatt Teller. He was the starter last time we saw this football team. He, he's a guy that I think John Dorsey really liked. He went out and acquired him, and I think he was a guy that ultimately they brought in to be their starting right guard, but John Dorsey is gone. Obviously, that coaching staff is gone. Uh, but I, I guess let's just start here. Do you believe Wyatt Teller is the front runner right now? Uh, I got to believe that he, he would be based on the fact that he was the starter last year. But, you know, it's a different scheme. And, you know, I, I truly believe that the Browns are going into this training camp thinking, all right, we're going to have another uh, – we're going to have a right guard competition. I would think that when, you know, <clears throat> camp begins and, and the ones go out there for their first reps, Teller's probably going to be that guy. Um, but I don't think he, he necessarily – Look at Teller as the guy you got to beat. I just think he's probably going to be first in line. Um, you know, he he played better um, last season that, than Eric Cush over the first half of the season. I think Teller had like 14 – well, he had 16 pressures overall, but he only – in his starts, in his eight starts, he allowed 14. So you, if you project that over a full season, that's 28, um, which is about two more than, than Greg Robinson had, which was second on the team. 
you know, uh, he didn't give, he gave up one sack though, which I think is, is important. Um, and most of those pressures were hurries. He wasn't uh, letting Baker Mayfield get hit necessarily, but again, you don't want your, you don't want one of your guards, you know, being second or possibly first on the team and in pressures. Uh, so he's the first guy, but I think there's definitely going to be some competition here. Yeah. So a uh, couple of names to, to keep in mind and let's just go with this guy. Look, Drew Forbes, he's back. Sort of the forgotten guy. We, we've talked about Jacob Phillips as this year's forgotten draft pick. Drew Forbes was sort of last year's forgotten draft pick. He was a tackle in college, uh, but pretty early on, he said that he was, he saw himself as an interior lineman was doing a lot of work at guard. He's got the body of an interior lineman. Uh, so, so here's a guy that got hurt early. You know, he came back, and I, I believe he was one of the two guys they brought off IR, but he never really got on the field. And he's an intriguing, he's an intriguing piece to this because I think he might have gotten a shot to play guard last year when, when the Browns decided to kind of shake things up on that line. But he just wasn't healthy. And that can set a guy back when you get hurt before the season starts and you've got to work your way back from a knee injury like that. Uh, he's, he's sort of the wild card in this. Or, or there is another wild card in this, but he's, he's one of them. Yeah, well, and again, this, I think this is the reason why Teller's first man up because the other options here, you, there's so much unknown. Um, you know, Forbes was uh, kind of a latecomer to the right guard competition last year. And then, like you said, he got hurt. Um, he's definitely a candidate to be that. Uh, if he's not... If he's not the starting right guard, he's one of the top candidates to be the that swing guy in the middle, uh, perhaps with, with Nick Harris, who I'm sure we'll get to. But, uh, you know, you just, have, you just have some unknowns here. It's, it's weird that they put so much into this offensive line, uh, you know, in, uh, in adding Conklin and, and then drafting Will so high, and you have Batonio and Treader making decent money. I think they have, like, 27, 27 million if I wrote this down right, 27 million wrapped up in Betonio, Treader, and and uh, and Conklin. I mean, that's a lot of money. That's like the offensive line on this team is the highest paid offensive or highest paid position group on this team. So um, they're they're putting money into it, but to have that glaring hole there at, at right guard, um, even if, as Joe Thomas tells us this is the kind of offensive scheme that can maybe hide a spot like that. Um, it just still seems kind of, kind of weird that, that we're going into this season with, you know, the guy who, who was good enough to get them through the last eight games and then three other guys, two or three other guys who we really don't know what we're going to get. Yeah. And Treader just signed that extension too. And so, so let's just jump to it. Let's just bring Nick Harris into this. Uh, because some of these other names at guard, I, I have the roster pulled up here. Uh, you've got uh, Colby Gossett, uh, Malcolm Pridgen. Uh, so there, there aren't really a lot of other names unless I'm missing somebody on this list. So you start to look at that center group. And look, your right guard can come out of nowhere. We, we know that. But, you know, you draft a guy like Nick Harris, and you already have a guy like J.C. Treader, who just signed an extension – pretty expensive to move on from he's got you know they obviously wouldn't do it this year but even next year it carries this is off Spotrack, uh six million in dead cap and then in 2022 that number goes down a little bit but to draft a guy to bring in to be your backup center sort of was a head scratcher to me which also tells me maybe 
he's not here to just be the backup center or just be a swing guy. Maybe he's your center of the future, but that doesn't mean he can't play another position until that center spot opens up. Yeah, well, ideally, you don't want to draft your center of the future and have the future be now. <laughs> right. So you get Nick Harris, and, and he is that swing guy. Then, uh, you know, you get some experience. And then when the decision has to be made on Treader, you got someone who can step in. I mean, yeah, that, that's smart planning. Um, think about Nick Harris. Uh, if you want to go by um, PFF grading, uh, he had a pretty good zone grade from them, 77.4. Um, he's good in man-to-man or gap, uh, but not as good as a, of a zone blocker. As uh, He's better as a zone blocker than he is as, uh, as man-to-man. So that's in his favor. Um, they obviously wanted to bring in somebody uh, with that pick who would adapt well to the position potentially. Wyatt, I went back and found Wyatt Teller's uh, draft bio because he was drafted by the Bills and obviously we weren't paying as much attention to, to him back then. Um, he was not really known for his lateral agility <laughs> and uh, they definitely saw him better in a gap scheme. So uh, that really doesn't sound like the kind of guy the Browns would want uh, at right guard. But, you know, again, that's, you know, a couple years down the road, he has experience now and, and, and maybe they, they saw enough from him to think that, yeah, he can convert and be the guy. But with Nick Harris, they obviously made a pick there um, for a guy that they feel is, is a good fit. Right. And, and, and you can't just – I mean, look, you can't just throw away picks, right? You, even with Donovan Peoples-Jones in the sixth round, you take him because you're intrigued by him and you think maybe he can come in and help return kicks and develop into a nice receiver. You don't just throw away a, a fifth-round pick if, if you don't think that guy can play – he doesn't have to play and start right away if he's a day three pick, but you think the guy can play. And J.C. Treader is not old. I mean, he's 20 – I'm looking, he's 29 this year. At the end of his contract, he'll be 32 in 2023. So Treader – I mean, Treader has another contract left in him, and, and I think he fits this scheme really well. We see him get into the second level. Go back and watch Nick Chubb's run against Atlanta, uh, that 92-yard run and watch J.C. Treader on that run. He gets into the second level and really opens it up for him. He's, he's a big piece of, of Nick Chubb's big runs, and I, I believe that was in sort of that zone concept. So I, I don't think you're in any rush to get Treader out of here, and it just tells me I, – I've, I've just seen it too many times. You go into camp, and, okay, it's Wyatt Teller on day one. And then day five, we're throwing somebody else out there because Teller wasn't good enough. Or, you know, it was a few years ago, Joel Batonio was playing left tackle right up until the first week of the season. And then they threw Desmond Harrison out there. So it just wouldn't shock me. And I guess if you were asking me to make a bold prediction, I would actually predict that Nick Harris will be the right guard at some point this season, um, which I, I don't know how bold that actually is. But I, it's, it's just hard for me to imagine they drafted a guy to come in and be your backup center for a couple of years. Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, and, you know, when you go back and you look at uh, who has been mentioned as potential right guards, uh, one guy who, who we haven't talked about yet is Evan Brown, who they brought in this year. Um, it, it was just – it, it kind of caught my attention because, you know, you expect to hear Teller and, and Forbes and you heard Nick Harris uh, mentioned. Um, it might have been by Call Bill Callahan, the offensive line coach. It might have been by uh, Stefanski or maybe, maybe even Andrew Barry. But um, – Somebody mentioned Evan Brown because I wrote it down when it happened. Evan Brown had 18 snaps at left guard uh, last year with the Giants, and he had 19 at right guard 
And all that happened in the same game. So he has one game of, of guard experience in the NFL, and that's pretty much all the experience he has in, in live action. So, um, again, he's, he's another guy in the fold. One guy who we haven't talked about who might surprise everybody is Chris Hubbard. Um, yeah, we obviously, should. yeah, the right tackle last year and kind of, I guess you could call it demotion in a way because they bring in Jack Conklin and they restructure Hubbard's contract. So clearly they, they still wanted him here. Uh, he has eight regular season snaps at guard in the NFL. But when he was with the Steelers, he pretty much played guard every preseason game. And uh, I believe that's how he ended up making those rosters is because he was the backup swing guy for a while, or at least the backup uh, tackle who was able to play a little bit guard. And then of course, obviously he got a chance to, to be a starter there for a while. Um, so he's, a, he's an option. He, he, I mean, you go through and, and look at just about every preseason game from 2014, 2015, 2016, Chris Hubbard's playing guard. Uh, I don't know how well he did. <laughs> I didn't go back and look at any film, but he obviously didn't play so poorly that he wasn't making the roster. So uh, maybe, maybe Chris Hubbard's uh, an option there. I don't know. Um, I don't know how well he would fit in uh, at that position, but I wouldn't be surprised if you see him in the rotation when camp opens. I, I think what we've learned about this position is it is as wide open as you would want a training camp battle to be. This isn't two guys. This is this, this competition is completely wide open. And uh, if, if we actually get to sit there and watch a training camp this season, uh, that, that's going to be one of the things to watch. And I think that's going to be one of those positions too, that it could change halfway through the year or four games into the season. I, I think it's a position that could be fluid unless the person that wins it just absolutely um, grabs hold of it. Okay, we're going to take a break here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, and then we're going to bring in one of our Football Insider subscribers to talk a little bit about this as well. Maybe we'll ask him who he thinks he should start at right guard. Maybe we have a right guard expert coming on. We'll find out. <laughs> Let me take a minute to tell you about Football Insider. It's our subscription service where Mary Kay, Scott, and I will text you throughout the day with the latest on the Browns, news, analysis, what we're thinking, and more. And the best part is you can text us back, and we'll text you directly, cutting through the clutter of social media. It's another way to connect with us as we cover your favorite football team. We also hold events with our team of writers exclusively for our subscribers, like the virtual draft event we held the week before the draft this year and our virtual event talking all things Baker Mayfield. That included uh, Mary Kay, me, Scott, Dougley Maurice, and Terry Pluto. All of these events that we do, they're open only to our football insiders. So if you want to check it out, you can get a 14-day free trial by going to cleveland.com browns and clicking on the box on the right side of the page. Football Insider is $3.99 per month after your trial expires. Or better yet, you can just text 216-208-3965 to get your trial started. Again, to get that 14-day free trial started and see everything that comes with your subscription to Football Insider, text 216-208-3965. Back to our show. All right, we're back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby and Scott Patsko, and we're bringing in one of our Football Insider subscribers, John Hyatt. John is joining us from North Carolina, you said? That's right. Uh, where, where about? Uh, it's a little town called Brevard. It's near Asheville, North Carolina. Okay. Um, so what made you a Browns fan? How are you a Browns fan? Did you grow up in North Carolina, or did you grow up in Northeast Ohio? Or Well, my mom and Browns my mom. My mom grew up in Cleveland, so I kind of adopted them at a young age. 
Okay. And uh, I really like the fan base. That's what attracted to me to them. Uh, originally, believe it or not, I picked the Lions, which is like, I don't know, that's even worse, you know? So, uh, yeah, I ended up just liking the fans, how they were. That's right when the dog pound was getting going and everything like that. So, okay. So, what, what, uh, what era, I guess, were, are we talking about when you first started becoming a fan? I started watching in 85. Okay. So, that was a good, that was a good time to jump in. <laughs> I was, was going to say, going from a Lions to a Browns fan is tough, but if it's, if it's 1985, that's right. definitely, definitely an upgrade there. So, uh, obviously, a Bernie guy then, right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Hank, uh, I'm sorry, Minifield and oh, I had all those guys and uh, uh, Hanford Dixon. So yeah, yeah. All right. Um, so what, what we've been doing is we've kind of been opening it up for a Q and A. If you have questions for, for Browns, questions, any topic. But I do want to ask you. You sat there and listened to us talk right guard. Give us give us your right guard expertise here. Who who would you like to see there? Well, I'm going to go with what y'all said that initially I think it's going to be Wyatt Teller. Yeah. And I know, and he was really high on him as a prospect coming out of college. But I, personally, I'm going to see Drew Forbes. I think he's way more athletic. I think he moves way better in space. His only real disadvantage was he came from a, a really small school and then he got hurt. So I think his upside is tremendous. And I think that's going to be a battle going into camp. And also was glad to hear that you were – I was wondering when y'all were going to mention Chris Hubbard because he <laughs> obviously has that ability, and that's why they retained him. So. so so, one of the things that John Dorsey used to do after the draft is he would have us, like, come in one night to the draft room, and he would run, like, film on all the draft picks and tell us about him. And when we watched Drew Forbes' film, it looked like a high school game because yeah. he would just – I mean, he looked like the best player on a high school team at tackle. I mean, he would just put people into the ground. It was, it was unbelievable to watch. Um, he was <laughs> – Yeah, I watched, I watched it. It was – he actually scared some of his opponents. I mean, he was so mean and just – he was clearly above – you know, he he could have went to Division One easily. I mean, he was just that much better on the field, so. If I remember correctly, he was kind of known for playing well through the whistle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, that was one of the things that they, uh, they definitely liked about him. So, all right, fire away. Let's get some Browns questions in here. Uh, you want me to <laughs> yeah if you if you if you've got them let's see here or, or we can make some up for you but if you've got them fire away <laughs> no no uh yeah i can come up with something it's like it's we're in the dog days right now everything's been rehashed so much uh let's see here what what personnel package uh i know everybody talks about 12 personnel i see them running maybe 21 a lot more with hunt in the backfield keeping those two backs back there and a lot of movement what do you think about that yeah we I, I kind of agree with you I think we're going to see a lot of 21 even some 22 um you know Scott always reminds me that they have a fullback now too uh so you've, you've got to account for that so I think there's going to be a lot of situations where you have two backs on the field and because of Hunt because he's so versatile you can have two backs but one of them looks like a wide receiver uh, so, so there's just a lot of different things that you can do. So I, I'm with you. I think we're going to see uh, that number two in a lot of the, in the front of a lot of those personal packages. Yeah, and if Njoku isn't here, who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe they're not pleased enough with Harrison Bryant to to have uh, you know him on the field in two tight end packages. We we look at what the Vikings did last year, and we kind of assume that that's what the Browns are going to do. But 
like Dan mentioned, uh, Kareem Hunt's kind of the wild card, and it's not really the kind of player that, uh, in addition to you know the main running back in Nick Chubb, that that they had in Minnesota. So how do you how do you get the most out of those two guys? You don't want to leave one on the sideline, obviously, because they're both so good. And then you know again, you got the fullback in there. So you know, we, yeah, we could see we could see more formations here with the two running backs and maybe just one tight end than than we saw in Minnesota, especially when you have two really good receivers in Beckham and Landry that, that you're going to want to have on the field a lot too. And it kind of goes back to the thing we've talked a lot about is how do you manage all these uh, high-profile, talented players on this offense? And, uh, you know, having two, having two running backs and having two tight ends on the field does some of that. But then can you also have, you know, two, two receivers on the field and you just start running out of holes to, to put players in. So, uh, but, yeah, I think you have to have Hunt and Chubb on the field together a lot. We saw how well that worked last year. And, and you love that versatility, too, in, in personnel packages. Um, it just it makes the defense have to think, which is, which is always what you want. Run some guys out there and, and make the defense think. Uh, anything else? Yeah, so what, what odds do you think David Njoku remains on this team when training camp starts? So I got asked this on a – radio show the other day and I'm really bad at doing odds I always fall into the 50-50 trap which is you know come on what am I doing but I said I said 30 percent that he's here because I just think even if the Browns don't want to trade him he's got an agent now in Drew Rosenhaus who he look his agent has a reputation to protect and if Drew Rosenhaus requests a trade and wants to get you out of somewhere he kind of has to get you out of there. And we saw it with Duke Johnson last year. I just think ultimately Njoku's going to be able to force his way out, however that looks. You know, Duke had that very slow recovery from that leg injury. Um, there, there are some things Njoku could do to force his way out. And honestly, if he's unhappy, then he's not producing. There's not, a, there's not much point in, in trying to, to force him to stay here. So I, I still think it's very – even if the Browns don't want to trade him and want to try and make this work, I just think it's unlikely that he'll be here much longer. Oh, I think it's 100% that they're going to trade him. There you go. <laughs> I think he, he wants to be gone, and I think that the only kind of thing that would hold up something like a trade request normally is uh, trying to figure out how can we get the best value back. And I don't think that's going to be a big problem. With Njoku, I know he was a first-round pick, um, but he clearly hasn't lived up to that. So I don't think he has a lot of ground to. He doesn't have <laughs> doesn't have a lot going for him other than 2018 when he had 56 catches. You know, last year he came back and really didn't do much of anything. So he wants to be gone. I think the Browns will make that happen. And you know, we've heard a lot of people say, "Well, how can David Njoku? Where? Do, who does he think he is?" requesting a trade but you know it doesn't he realize that that the Browns are going to have multiple tight ends but you know that might not be enticing to every tight end you know the, the Vikings were one of three teams last year that ran more than they passed and as a tight end that might not sound so great especially one who who uh clearly enjoys catching the ball more than he enjoys blocking um so he might want to be in a different situation, you know, even though the Browns, you know, uh, could potentially be really good or at least, uh, you know, have enough on paper for whatever that's worth to, to be good this year. This situation might not be enticing to him. And, you know, 
if he wants out, I think, you know, the Browns should, should do what they can to get, get as much value as they can and, and move on because they drafted a tight end and uh, yeah. he's a good receiver as well. And I, and I think that the, if there is a sticking point, it's going to be that value play. You know, if the Browns are determined to get a day two pick, it might be tough to find that, but maybe yeah. somebody gets hurt or somebody, you know, there's all the things that happen over the summer that, that can change a team's need and what a team is willing to give up for a, uh, for a guy. So, and any team acquiring them would be kind of betting on that upside. Okay. If you have one more, we'll take one more. If not, that's fine. I've got one more if you don't mind. Perfect. All right. So, I mean, how much do you think the coaching staff last year affected Baker Mayfield's development? Oh, Mary Kay would love this question. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's talked about this a lot, just about how dysfunctional everything was and, and you had um, – you know, no clear vision on what they were supposed to do on offense and throwing everything together into this pot and hoping that it would work. Uh, you know, 20, 2018, you saw what Baker Mayfield looked like running Todd Haley's offense while Freddie Kitchens called the plays. And it worked out pretty good. Uh, and then, you know, 2019 happened. And as Freddie told us, they were trying to take everything they could and build this offense. Well, uh, you know, the end result was not good for Baker. Um, a lot of other things played into that, such as the offensive line. But uh, I think uh, coaching-wise, uh, he he regressed last year, and, and the coaches clearly did not know how to reverse course on that. Um, they did a little bit over the second half of the season. You saw a lot more play action. It seemed like that data made its way through Berea <laughs> midway through the year, and they thought, huh, he does pretty good when, they, uh, when we work out of play action. And you saw a little more of that, but it was kind of too little too late. And, you know, that's why none of those guys are here now. Yeah, I mean, every, everything was just messy in, in that building last year. You know, Mary Kay has talked about it. And then, you know, I, I know there, you know, even, even on that last day of the, of the regular season, when it was felt pretty clear that something was going to have to change, uh, I mean, there were, there were some high-ranking people in, in the Browns' front office who believed, well, you know, it's not all Freddie's fault. They took his mojo away a little bit with, with – some of this analytics stuff and things like that. I don't buy into that. I don't believe that. But there was just there was just too much divide organization-wide between both sides. And it reflected in the coaching staff. It reflected in the front office. So I just think having that, that buzzword, that alignment, it, it's going to help somehow. Is it going to turn them into a playoff team or a division winner? I don't know. That's a big jump. But it is going to help Baker Mayfield to at least have, this is our plan. This is what we want you to do. And um, that it's it's best for you, and this is why we believe it's best for you. I think it's clear going into this season that he has a quarterback coach that clearly you know is more experienced, um, and and that's going to be that's going to be a big thing for him. Last year, that wasn't necessarily the case. Um, Ryan Lindley was a running backs coach first, I believe, and then got promoted when Freddie got promoted. Uh, so. Even he kind of said that was weird <laughs> when we talked to him in training camp last year. It's like, who's this guy who's running best coach? And now he's, you know, now he's quarterback's coach. Uh, so I think the experience that Alex Van Pelt brings is going to be such a big deal for him. Absolutely. All right. So we're going to ask you one more question. We've asked everybody that's come on uh, this question. This is our, uh, our unpaid ad from you. Uh, so don't send us a bill or anything. What, what is it about Football Insider? Why, why do you like Football Insider? I'll tell you. I, 
I've really enjoyed it since uh, I, when y'all had the round table with Baker Mayfield. I thought that was awesome. Uh, I've enjoyed uh, y'all doing a lot more podcasts and just the daily newsletter that y'all put out there. I, I really like that. It's got a lot of links, a lot of different read-ups. I, I mean, just, you know, you get a lot of content. That's why I like it. All right. That's what we like to hear. I will clarify that the roundtable was about Baker Mayfield, not with Baker Mayfield. <laughs> yeah. I don't want people to think that we had, like, Baker Mayfield on a, on a Zoom call. It would have been awesome, though. Yeah. We don't have that kind of pull yet, but, you know, maybe I, someday. I wish. <laughs> All right. Well, John, I, I appreciate you uh, jumping on this. It's been fun. Uh, you're the third third texter we've had do this here this week. It's, it's been fun to to kind of get to see you guys again, and, and we love doing these roundtables. And, of course, we appreciate you guys being willing to – uh, to spend a little extra money and, and subscribe to what we're doing. And we're glad that, uh, that you guys are enjoying it. So and that's why we're doing it. So we're doing it for you guys. Uh, all right, John, thanks a lot. And for Scott, I'm Dan. This is the Brown Talk Podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody.